0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: This is Andre Johnson. David
2: gets the snap, airs it out long, down the left side, wants Andre Johnson, and it's caught! Andre Johnson catches it for a touchdown! Sensational play!
1: You're into the test for two. So, this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year
3: over, and you won't just be gone, and so this is Christmas. Well, in three weeks' time, it could be Christmas again, but uh, not for you and not for us. But maybe, Ira, just maybe for today's guest, and that's former wide receiver Andre Johnson, who's a first-time semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and could be a finalist, meaning one of 15 candidates for the Hall's class of 2022. Now, Andre was a seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro And he's a member of the Houston Texans Ring of Honor. He was the first ever inductee, by the way. The Texas Sports Hall of Fame and the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. And now, Ira, he joins you, Ian, and me for the Podcast Hall of Fame. So, Andre, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, guys, for having
3: me. Andre, I I mentioned in in three weeks' time at the beginning here, and, and that's because there's going to be an announcement the first week of january of the 15 finalists let me ask you here we're, we're three weeks away how anxious are you for that announcement and how much time do you spend thinking about it
1: um i'm anxious about it uh i just um like i guess i just never really as a kid you know you had this dream of playing in nfl and you know you never really think about the hall of fame you, you know, you just always say you want to be a great football player, and whatever team you go to, you want to win a Super Bowl. I think that's always your ultimate goal as a player. And um, just over time, throughout your career, um, you know, you hear people say things, but I don't—I didn't really pay much attention to it. And uh, you know, just right now, to just be mentioned um, as a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. Uh, It's just, uh, it's a tremendous honor. Um, It's the, you know, the best accomplishment you can have, uh, you know, in playing football in the NFL. So um, I'm excited about it. I hear it so much every day just from fans and people I see around the city of Houston. So uh, I try not to think about it as much. I just, you know, just say whenever it happens, it happens. But I don't think the fans and the people in the city would let me, uh, you know, try not to think about
3: it we're not going to let you not try to think about it here either. <laughs> I, I i'm going to ask you a sort of broad question but as somebody who's an accomplished football player and somebody who studies the game what your mind defines a hall of fame receiver how do you define a hall of fame receiver
1: uh to me uh you know when you look at numbers um you know a guy that went out and played at the highest level and uh who was considered the best receiver for a period of time uh throughout his career um and whether that's leading the league and, you know, catches receptions uh you know just a guy who went out and, and and did everything the right way and uh no matter what the situation was um you know, whether it was without quarterbacks or whatever, you know, I just went out there and was able to still put up big numbers and um, affect the game in a big way.
2: Andre, uh, you led the league three times, three, in, in receiving yards per game. And so that's very significant. But, Andre, talking about the numbers, you know, you started in 03. The rules were already favoring receivers a little bit, but it's gotten a lot worse with the passing game. The league loves scoring. They've added a 17th game, Andre. So a thousand yard season used to be a big deal, Andre. And, and now uh, it's watered down a little. So um, it's going to be tough, Andre, going forward to, to judge receivers just by the numbers. It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I, de- I definitely think it is. Um you know, I mean, every play in the in the NFL right now is probably just about every play seems to be like a pass play. Um, it definitely makes the game more exciting um, to you know when you see those passes and long throws and things like that. Um, but I think right now that's why there's kind of a log jam right now on wide receivers going into the Hall of Fame. You know, you have so many guys that. uh I've accomplished a lot, and uh, you know, I guess you know at the end of the day, it's just about wait your turn, man. And uh, you know, I think there are a lot of guys that aren't in, aren't in right now that will eventually get in, and uh, you know, so I will just wait my wait my turn and see what happens.
2: Andre, I, I want to ask you about um, a former teammate uh, in Houston. Um, the guy came in in 2011. Andre's first round pick. Uh, you didn't know that much about him out of Wisconsin named JJ J. Watt. Um, Andre, you were there for two years that he had more than 20 sacks, two different seasons. Um, what are your, what are your recollections of, uh, of JJ Watt and what, what a game wrecker he was?
1: Uh, JJ was just, uh, a guy who came in and, uh, you know, he put the work in every day. You know, I got to see him as a rookie and, you know, just how his game elevated. Um, you know, he studied a lot. Uh, but I think the thing, you know, if you was, you know, just a teammate of his, you just watched the way that he worked in practice, um, the way he worked after practice. You know, J.J. was a guy who would stay – after and, you know, just do so many extra things just to work on his game. Um, there were times we would be in practice and, you know, I would catch a pass and take off running and he would, he would chase me down the field. Um, you know, just little things like that. Um, things that he did, you know, as he, uh, you know, throughout his career. And, you know, when he, uh, got out on the field on Sunday, you know, it just showed all the hard work he put into his game.
3: We're with Hall of Fame semifinalist Andre Johnson on the eye test for two. And Andre, we've had a friend of ours and I think a a friend of yours as well, John McLean, Hall of Fame voter and a columnist for the Houston Cron on this show. And he presented some pretty interesting numbers to the Hall's board of selectors in the past week for review and numbers about you. And I'm gonna read some of them. One is that you had five 100 reception seasons Jerry Rice and Marvin Harrison had four. In other was, you had three 1,500 yard seasons. Only Jerry Rice with four had more. You're one of only three receivers since 1960 to lead the league in receiving in consecutive years. Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson both first ballot choices with the others. And you were sixth in receptions when you retired and seventh in yards receiving. That is a pretty convincing (laughs) resume. Is there anything you'd like to add or that we are missing?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think the only thing I probably would add, I think at the time when I uh, retired, I was tied with Jerry for the most 10-catch 100-yard season uh, in the NFL. So that would probably be the only thing I would. Add. <laughs> that's
3: a pretty convincing resume. <laughs> but let me ask you this: um, You played your last two seasons not in Houston. I think you were in Indianapolis one, and Tennessee, and <laughs> another. How right. disappointed are you that you and others weren't able to bring a championship to the Texans to the city of Houston?
1: Uh, that was very disappointing. Um, I think that's the thing. If there's one thing I can say I think about the most since i've uh retired, it would be that um, I think about that just about every day um when i when I first came to uh Houston, I know it was a new franchise it was the second year of the franchise and uh I took it as a challenge um I just was like after my rookie year, and just you know playing my rookie year, I was like nobody respects us. Nobody, you know, it's almost like we was the laughing stock of the NFL. And uh, you know, I just took it as a challenge. I was just like, I want to get this organization its first championship. I want to, you know, help him get to his first, you know, playoff and win his first playoff game and things of that nature. And uh, you know, it, it it hurts it hurts me still. You know, that I wasn't able to uh, help them win a championship. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I was able to help, you know, get the organization to the playoffs, get his first playoff win and and things like that. So, uh, you know, but you still at the end of the day want that championship because that's what we all play for.
2: Andre, along those lines, 2012, that's probably the season you think about you started 11 and 1, 11 and 1, Houston. Then you went to New England on a Monday night, Andre. Brady did you in 42 14. And you had a chance to get home field throughout the playoffs, and, and, and you stumbled a little bit at the end of the year. But then you beat Cincinnati in the wild right. card game. And then, Andre, you, you got to go to New England again. Again. Right. And, and there's Brady, 42-14, 41-28. Uh, no, season's over. And Andre, 10 years later, Brady's still throwing footballs. I mean, can you believe what's <laughs> going on?
1: <laughs> and I, uh, there's nothing about Tom Brady. Uh, seems to amaze me. Uh, I, uh, you know, I had a chance to meet Tom bowl i made and uh, i sit down and talk with him for a little bit and uh you know he's just you know ever since i met him um at that pro bowl i always just kind of watched him from afar and nothing that he does just seems to amaze me i mean you look at him and, and the way he's playing right now he's easily uh Usually can be a candidate for the MVP of the league at 40, what is he, Forty three, forty four 44 years old? 44.
2: Uh, yeah, 44.
1: Yeah, so it's just, I mean, there's, if you look at the way he throws the ball, there's still a lot of velocity on it. Um, and it just doesn't seem like, it seems like the older he gets, the the, the better he's getting. And, you know, we've never seen that in, uh, in the NFL before. So, I know some people say he may play one more year, two more years. I don't know when he'll stop playing, but uh, you know it's always great to watch him play. And uh, you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tom Brady.
2: Um, Andre, you know one year or may, maybe more than one year uh, with the Texans, these were the guys on the on the coaching staff. Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Matt Lafleur was uh, an offensive assistant, Andre. And then Robert Sala was a defensive assistant. Um, That's three head coaches. Andre, you, you didn't even know it at the time. What do you remember most about uh, Shanahan and and LaFleur in in Houston?
1: Well, when Kyle first came in, um, he was my receivers coach and it was kind of weird because I think Cal is maybe a, a year or two older than me, and <laughs> I, never, I never had a receiver coach <laughs> almost <laughs> the same age as me, and um, you know, so when they told me, I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of lost for words because I'm like the guys only maybe a year or so older than me, and you know, what can he really teach me? And uh, I remember the first time, the first time we sat down and talked. And, um, you know, after Coach Kubiak was hired, and the staff came in and he called me and told me to come over to his office. And we sat down and we just talked football. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was just kind of breathtaking because we just talked. I, I was just so surprised at how much he knew about the game. And, uh, you know, even though at the time I didn't really think about, you know, Mike Chenan was his dad and things like that, but just the way he talked to me about the game and ways I can um, improve my game, uh, you know, it was it was it was great for me because once I got with with Cal, uh, things just kind of took off of me when when um, Coach Kubiak came in and you know the things that we were doing and Matt was an assistant, so he spent a lot of time around Cal and. Um, in the receivers room. So those, both of those guys were very helpful um, for me um, just in my game and uh, just seeing things on the field. um, It's not surprising to me that they both have a head coaching job.
3: We're speaking with Hall of Fame semifinalist Andre Johnson on the eye test for two and Andre, a couple last ones from me. You mentioned earlier about the number of wide receivers who are, on the Hall of Fame ballot, and you're right, there are a number, there are six right now who are semifinalists, and that's a lot, and you talked about a potential gridlock, and that is a potential problem coming down the line with all these receivers coming up and with prodigious numbers. But I'm going to ask you this. If you had one other wide receiver, and I'm talking about other than yourself, to put into Canton today, who would it be?
1: Uh on other than myself. I mean, there are a few guys <laughs> that I, uh, will put in, but I think if I had to choose one, um, right now, uh, it'd probably be, uh, Reggie Wayne. Uh, I think if you just look at his numbers and the things that he, he's accomplished, um, over his career, uh, I know a lot of people say you know he had a chance to play with Peyton Manning, and things like that, but you know, you, you you still have to go out and put the numbers up and uh you know he went out and did that throughout his career. So um if I had to pick one guy right now it'd probably be Reggie Wayne.
3: If you had a chance to play with Peyton Manning, what do you think you would have done?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh We'll probably, you know, we have to see. You know, I, I, uh, I always tell people. I, I get asked that question all the time. You know, and I always tell people, you know, I never uh, really worried about that. I always just, you know, you have to play the hand you're dealt. And uh, you know, the guys that, the quarterbacks that I played with, you know, I, I went out and, um, you know, we worked our butts off together to try to. Uh, you know, give the best performance we can when we're out on the field on Sunday. So, um, you know, I just try to make the best of of, of what I had. You know, I don't really get caught up into the, uh, you know, if I had, you know, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady because I get asked that question all the time. So I don't really get caught up in that.
2: Last one for me, Andre. Thanks so much for your time. Um, Andre, you've played against Rivas several times in your career uh, when he was at his peak with the Jets. Um, Was, was he the toughest corner, uh, Andre, or was there somebody else that you played maybe against more often that uh, you had ultimate respect for?
1: Well, I always had ultimate respect for anybody I went against, Um, you know, because in the NFL, every guy has talent. Um, So you, you, you have to respect everybody you went against, but, I will say my two favorite cornerbacks um, that I went up against was Revis and uh, Champ Baby. Uh, you know, I've always, you know, I had a lot of respect for those guys and um, just the way they played the game. Um, it was always a challenge. Uh, you know, Revis, Revis was very technique-style, um, you know, at his peak and and was very great at what he did. Uh, You know, a lot of people, you know, didn't realize, but he was a very strong guy also. So you had to be careful with him getting his hands on you. Um, And Champ, to me, was just a guy who could sit at seven yards and can cover anybody. Um, You don't really see guys uh, like that um, anymore. Most guys have to be up in press coverage and get their hands on you. But Champ wasn't, wasn't a guy who always had to be in press coverage. He could just sit at seven yards. and um, He could just see everything that was coming. So uh, I would say those were my two favorite guys to go against, probably the most challenging guys to go against.
3: Andre, Andre, I do have one last question for you, and it has nothing to do with your career, but it does have a lot to do with the team you played for. How tough is it for you to watch what the Texans are going through right now?
1: Um, it's it's tough. Um you 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 know when you um put a lot into uh organization and you know you you just you know wanna see an organization be successful. Um and you look at the way things are now, it's tough. It's hard to watch. Um, because you You root for them. You want them to do well, and uh, right now it's just not happening. So, uh, you know, you just have to bear with what's going on through this rebuilding stage, and, uh, you know, I just hope that things can get better sooner than later.
3: Yeah, so do we. Andre Johnson, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Thanks for joining us.
1: I appreciate it.
3: You got it. Thanks, Andre will thanks, finally, Andre Johnson and Ira. You know, I, I loved the question you asked about Tom Brady, but when he said, you know, uh, he doesn't get better or he doesn't get old, older, or he seems that he's older, he's getting better. I thought he was talking about you and me.
2: <laughs> you know, Clark. Uh, <laughs> if the season ended right now, Clark, the, the guy would get the MVP award. I yeah, mean, he no would. Question. Um, now Aaron Rodgers might might you know differ, and 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 I love Rodgers as, as as a quarterback. I you know I think he's quirky, I I think he's a little nuts sometimes, but boy, he can throw the football. And I think Brady's got better weapons overall than Rodgers. But you love Brady Clark, and uh, he just threw for three hundred and sixty yards against a very good Buffalo defense.
3: Yeah. I watched that game, but the interesting thing, maybe we'll bring this up a little later for that MVP award, because you and I both vote on it with Aaron Rodgers, The thing that bothers me about Aaron Rodgers is what happened during this season with yeah. the, the COVID test and saying he was immunized and that sort of thing. I mean, he, he cost his team a game because he was out after testing positive a game. They could have and probably should have and would have won against Kansas city. And, and he put his teammates at risk and he put everyone that was in a public place with him in that building at risk too. And, and I'll be honest with you, maybe that's not what we're supposed to consider, but that is in the back of my mind when I look at that. I go, well, how valuable can he be when he put his teammates and persons in that building at risk? Yeah, he's a great quarterback. There's no question about that. But I think that may be a factor in, in how this thing's decided. Brady certainly is worthy. I mean, certainly worthy. And at 44, and you can check me, but I think he'd be, in fact, I'm sure he's the old, would be the oldest MVP, in the NFL and maybe, maybe in any pro sports league.
0: Well, it would be breaking his own record at uh, 40 (laughs) is the record right now in the NFL. So he he would be breaking that.
2: Uh, Clark, you could break that because you're the MVP of this podcast.
0: Mr. Oh, Judge. come
2: on
3: now. Nah, you're the sage. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, wait, wait a minute. All right, did you did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> yes, Th- I did. They, they, they love that comment. Apparently they love to hear that comment, but we're not going to f- further that comment particularly here. What we're going to do is talk about the actual I was there segment, which we do every what two or three weeks. But we have fun with it. And I, Actually, it's your turn this year, or this week. It's your turn every year. Um, where were you, and when were you?
2: I got a doozy for you, Clarkie. Uh, I, I arrived in beautiful Tampa, 1985. They got a new coach, Lehman Bennett. Yep. John McKay had just retired. Lehman, Leroy Selman had just retired. I never got to see Selman play. Here I am, covering for United Press. I'm just a young punk. And they go 2-14, and 14, Clark. Two and 14. And then the next year, 1986, Clark, they go two and 14. Again, (laughs) that's my introduction to Tampa. Lehman Bennett was the coach. So, Clark, a few days after Christmas, 1986, you call the house, holds a press conference. Everybody knew what was coming. He invites Lehman Bennett to the press conference where he proceeded. To fire him. And then Clark, in a move that only Culverhouse could do, he invites Bennett to the podium to say a few words after his dismissal. Bennett (laughs) declines a few days later. Culverhouse takes his private plane to Alabama and signs Ray Perkins (laughs) as the new coach. Ray Perkins, Clark, who I covered when he was coaching the Giants. He walked in the media trailer and said, Kaufman, what are you doing here? And I said, I was just going to ask you the same question, Ray. What are you doing here? And here we go
3: again. (laughs) Well, A couple of things I want to mention there. One is my first year of covering the NFL was 1982, and I covered a winless football team. My first year on the beat, winless football team. That would be the Baltimore Colts, (laughs) 0-8-1. Frank Cush. Oh. But now, since you mentioned Ray Perkins, great story from a friend of the show, Ron just about, he went down to the University of Alabama to interview Ray Perkins when he was down there and he's getting nowhere. You know, our Ray Perkins was not a talker. It was tough to That's get right. him to say anything. So they're walking around the practice field and, and, and Ron's getting nothing. And, and all of a sudden Perkins points to something on the field, he goes, you, you see that spot there? Ron says, yeah. And he said, I almost died, almost died right there. And Ron goes, "Hallelujah, oh, we got something." Oh, he goes, oh, "What, what happened? What happened?" And says, "I lived. <laughs> that was it. That was the extent of it." <laughs> he wasn't the easiest guy to cover. Anyway, on that, I wrap. Final thoughts from your perspective
2: down in Tampa, where they're not two and fourteen. Clark, uh, we got a really good game uh, Thursday night. We, we do. An yeah. AFC West clash. Nobody is talking about the Chargers. Nobody. And Clark, I think one thing everybody's forgetting. If they beat the Chiefs, and, and it's a home game, um, they will own the tiebreaker against KC uh, atop the division. And they'll be in charge of their own destiny. Clark, everybody's gushing about my Chiefs. The Chiefs lose this game. They're probably going to be a wild card team rather than a division winner. So it's going to be a great game. You're a Justin Herbert guy. I'm a Justin Definitely. Herbert guy, uh, as well as KC's defense is playing. This guy, Herbert, gives them a real, real chance to, to win this game.
3: Yeah, a couple of things there. And Eckler's hurt. I think he's going to play. Williams is hurt. I think he's going to play, too. I don't know how uh, effective they'll be. And secondly, that Chargers run defense is terrible. That's what makes me worry about that game. But the, the Chiefs Char- don't run the ball, Clark. They don't run the ball. Not not often. Not yeah, often. we'll see what they do against Herbert. But the thing that's interesting about it, Ira, is the last three games they played, Chargers are 2-1 and one against them. Should have been 3-0. and oh. They should have yeah. beaten them last year. It was Herbert's first game. Uh, one thing I will mention, by the way, is, and um, Ian knows this well, too, um COVID's back with us. I mean, COVID's yeah. everywhere. And Baker Mayfield from Cleveland has now joined 10 other Browns who tested positive. And they play this weekend on Saturday against the Raiders. But there's been no discussion at the league office about the game's status. Ian, you agree with that? I mean, you lining up with, uh, you know, whatever it is, one-fourth of your team missing.
0: Who who, who quartered back uh, the, the Broncos last year? Yeah, um, I, right. I, they're not going to move the game. I don't think they care if it's a replacement level squad that's why they you know increase the number of players like that it doesn't do them any good to move the game so i i wouldn't be so sh- shocked if it just plays on and you just deal with who you have out there
3: are you on in line with that and what the league is likely no, to do no no, we'll no do. i'm not
2: no i'm not because this game has playoff implications sure it does. That, that's the difference denver was going nowhere at, at that point uh cleveland needs this game clark so um We'll see what happens, but I, I think it should be on the table
3: for discussion. Yeah. Well, Denver may not be going nowhere, but we are. We're going somewhere. We're going out the door, Ira. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter.
2: At iKaufman76, sir. Ian Glendon.
0: It's I-G-L-E-N 31.
2: And I'm at Clark
0: Judge,
3: T-O-F. If you don't find us there, as you know, you can find us right here next week at the iTest for two podcast. Thanks for listening.